Welcome, ladies and gents, to another episode of the Wrestling Connection Podcast. Yes, we are here, ladies and gents. Thank you very much for inviting us into your homes, onto your phones, and maybe into your ears. Who knows? This is... (laughs) (laughs) This is episode number three, ladies and gents. We don't want to sound weird, but we are here for another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are uh, going a little bit left field this week. For the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about things and memories in wrestling that we love and that we have fond memories of in terms of watching the product. But this week, we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to talk about our own personal experiences at live wrestling events. That's right. From WWE to TNA to independent promotions all over the country, we're going to be talking about our favourite memories from those shows right here. Hello again, everybody. Welcome. This is The Wrestling Connection episode number three my name is chris this is glenn glenn i hope you're doing well thank you very much for joining me again how are you feeling this week my brother i am feeling a little bit claustrophobic not because i am in my relatively small uh recording studio slash spare room splash splash slash laundry room (laughs) slash office slash gym uh, it sounds like I've got this lush, this lush room. It's a, it's a nice pokey wee room where I, which doubles as a as an everything. But nice. the lockdown is starting to make me just go a little bit crazy, and I think yeah. I might just get to that point where I snap. You know, like the Austin heel turn when he all of a sudden, all of a sudden, like to hug people, and well, I, yeah. I like to hug people as as anyway. But to answer your question, Chris, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Stop asking me. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. fine. (laughs) Have you got a guitar? You can start singing Kumbaya. Uh, Actually, the guitar's in the next room because my wonderful wife, who is a music teacher, uh, was using it. So uh, she she has the thing. The thing that annoys me about that, but I also love it, though, is that Austin, when he sang Kumbaya, he just strummed the the empty chord. He didn't do anything with the frets. That's right. Kumbaya. But that made it better in a weird way. Yeah. I am a big defender of Austin's heel turn. Yeah, me I too. I love that. I think he has a hard time with that as well. And I love the stuff with Angle. You know, see, Angle had like the wee cowboy hat on and he was like, yippee Kai. <laughs> and he was like, hey, Steve, you want a carrot? <laughs> but uh, anyway, I love all that stuff. But uh, you've had a busy week, my friend. You have... Um, you have started a new job, kind of, you know, as weird as it is being from home and being in quarantine, that sort of thing. How's the new job going? It's going really well. It's bizarre, you know, like like with any job in any line of work, you you think about the first day and you, you get the usual nerves about meeting new people yeah. and the whole imposter syndrome thing. And it's weird that I still felt that, even though I kind of knew for a while now that my first day teaching at this new school would be in my spare room yeah. slash gym. <laughs> slash recording studio <laughs> so slash classroom <laughs> yeah slash classroom so uh it, it's been a good uh first couple of days and uh all my colleagues are just so wonderful and welcoming good. uh so you know i got well, a lot to be a lot to be grateful for with with this line of work quarantine is difficult for everyone but i definitely think for me it could be a lot worse yeah Awesome. That's that's good though. I'm I'm much I'm very happy that you're settling in nicely and that we can still be here together recording a new episode of the Wrestling Connection podcast. Here's a question, but has anybody ever come up to you, like a student or like a pupil or something, and been like quizzed you on wrestling? Like have you ever mentioned wrestling before in class? Anybody asked you any questions? Yeah, it does happen because I like to usually like the beginning of term get to know the kids that I teach, and so that usually means a bit of sharing about hobbies and interests. You, you would deal with teenagers they quite they can be quite inward and they don't want to share stuff so 
but relationships is the is so important to teaching you need to be willing to know your pupils and i'm not saying you, you you're mm. pals with them and you go out with them at the weekend i'm not suggesting that but uh, there, there needs to be a like a positive relationship there uh so i usually would say i'm mr fraser i like uh, gaming i like wrestling i like harry potter obviously i love reading uh, and there's always a few years that would prick up when you mention like the the, the wrestling side of things mm. so even in my last school which i just um I just finished uh, working at uh, before the Easter holidays. Uh, there would there would be a few kids that would come up to me like throughout the day, or if the, you cross them in the corridor and they would ask, "Oh, hey, sir, did you see who won the Royal Rumble? She big Drew won the Rumble." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, it was, it was that was awesome." Big so um, it's it's one of those things. I'm sure when you were a kid at school, you you maybe took part in that uh, trick of trying to get the teacher to talk about something else and go on a tangent so that delayed the lesson. Yep. Uh, nope. they're really good at that with me because if they started me on wrestling that was risky territory now that i'm a bit more experienced yes. i'm good at reining it in and, and uh, i think uh, my lessons don't have much of a risk of going down wrestling tangents anymore <laughs> good but that's either a good or a bad thing i don't know but i'll tell you there's a place we can go down those wrestling tangents and it's right here on the wrestling connection so uh so yeah we're here for episode number three thanks everybody for listening to episodes one and two hope that everybody enjoyed them it means a lot to us that uh, you're continuing to give us your support and your praise and your critiques and all those good stuff any comments are are welcome in any way here on the wrestling connection so uh i'm just going to start things off properly and ask you the most genetic question of the podcast here glenn what have you been watching this week uh well in terms of pro wrestling again apart from your usual kind of uh highlights of ron smackdown i'm continuing with my uh marathon which i of which i'm now on 2002 uh just today i was watching the last ever wwf and mm. uh, raw and smackdown uh and Man. the next item on my list is insurrection 2002 which is nice. of course the same tour that you might mention later on you mentioned yes. it a couple of weeks back when you <laughs> spoke about your wrestling story yep um that 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 insurrection tour uh, there's something i need to tell you that you're going to love about this that i picked up from when i was watching i don't know if you've were aware of this but on the last raw the last wwf raw which is the last wwf raw before they went on that tour where you mm -hmm. went to see them as a wee boy where uh you where the plane ride from hell happened as well yes uh, there's a match that opens up that role. I believe it's between Jeff Hardy and Eddie Guerrero for the Intercontinental title. Okay. And uh, during the match, JR is promoting the UK tour. He's saying, oh, we're going to the UK for the Insurrection tour. We're going all over Europe. We're going to Germany. We're going to blah, blah, blah. We're going to Scotland. Mm. And uh, so they mentioned Scotland in passing. And then <laughs> I can't remember what he actually asks. Uh, I think like, it, this is an exact question, but Jerry Lawrence says something like, do you think they know what a frog splash is in Glasgow, Scotland? And uh, JR <laughs> says, oh, hell if I know. And then the, the beauty, JR goes, aye, laddie. <laughs> Jerry Lawler goes, aye, laddie. And they, they have a, I swear what? to you, look up on the network. It's like the last Raw of April. It's like April 29th or something. Uh, first match, Jeff Hardy versus Edge, and you'll hear JR and Jerry Lawler going, I love it. That's like the chosen phrase. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. I didn't know that. Yep. Just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So uh, that's I've been watching uh, that kind of very early Ruthless Aggression era stuff. What about you, Chris? Well,. <laughs> Last week I had a pretty uh, a pretty weird week in terms of watching wrestling. I think I might have taught myself this week. So, so last week I talked about 
how uh, I was listening to What Happened When with Tony Schiavone and I was listening to uh, some WCW watch-alongs from 2000 with, of course, Conrad Thompson in last week. I, mm. uh, I listened to War Games 2000 um, because I, I'm a bit fuzzy in terms of WCW 2000. I know a little bit of it because of my childhood, but when it comes to that sort of stuff, I'm not really... I'm not really as clued up as I maybe should be, yeah. so I was trying to check out some of that. Um, but you know when Conrad posts these podcasts, right? It's always good because it's always like detailing certain things, and I like to know in advance what they're going to be talking about so I can kind of prep a little bit, and then I can kind of watch along or even listen along to the show with Conrad and with yeah. GR or, or Tony or, or Bruce Pritchard or whoever it is. Well, this week, it was one Eric Bischoff who... Uh, he was talking about, you know, he's got the podcast 83 Weeks and um, we, me and Glenn actually saw Eric Bischoff together. We met Eric Bischoff together in uh, 2016 and, uh, and they actually hinted this past week that Inside the Ropes might be doing a second tour with Eric Bischoff as well, maybe sometime oh, in the future. I hope they do. I, I really hope they do. That was a great show and Inside the Ropes, no one does it better than them as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, really good show. Um, so I was checking out the 83 Weeks podcast with Eric Bischoff and um, for the first time, Eric covered a TNA pay-per-view. Ah. So I was like, all right, well, I've always liked TNA. I've always been a TNA guy. It's always been like my alternative because I never grew up around WCW and ECW. So TNA was always my alternative, right? And rightfully so. You know, it's probably like the way a lot of people my age and maybe a bit younger look at mm-hmm. AEW these days. That's probably like, you know, because that's their alternative. Now AEW's the alternative product, you know, and it is, you know? Yeah. Um, so the topic they were t- covering was TNA lockdown 2010. Now, weird story. What I, what I used to do around 2010, from like 2010 to 2012, what I used to do, I used to have this DVD burner, right, connected to my Skybox. Right. And what I would do, I would uh, I would put a DVD in the DVD burner and let the show play overnight. So by the time I woke up in the morning, I would wake up and have the show burned onto Ooh, a DVD. jammy. Yeah, right? So I would just I have, like, upstairs, I have a bunch of these sort of Raws and Smackdowns and Impacts and NXTs and all that stuff. Like, all these shows that run around the time that I've got burned onto a DVD. You know, I have all this footage in a DVD, you know, upstairs, you know. So I'm very lucky that way and very fortunate to have all this footage. Um, so the joy of TNA back in the day is that TNA's pay-per-views used to be on free yeah. TV over here. Lockdown 2010 was on Bravo one night, right? Which is the channel it was on. And uh, I recorded it, I let it burn overnight. I woke up in the morning and I was like, yes, Lockdown 2010 on a DVD, get that saved, put it in the collection, you know. So I knew I had the DVD somewhere, right? So I thought, I'll go and try and find the DVD, skim through the show, and then listen to the podcast with Eric and Conrad, right? So I went upstairs and I went and got (laughs) the Lockdown DVD, right? And I was thinking, my God, this is finally paying off. All these years later, there's a reason why I've done it. You know, so I put the DVD in, the quality is all dodgy and stuff because it's kind yeah. of like from TV and it was all kind of dodgy, which I kind of liked, you know, kind of added to it. And the uh, the opening match is RVD versus James Storm. So I'm watching the show, right? And, and about 50 minutes in, there's like this notification message comes up on the screen and it says, Skybox going into standby. And oh, I was like, God. all right, okay. Uh, so about two seconds later, Lockdown 2010 shuts off and it goes back to Disney Channel, which was on the TV at the time, <laughs> and it was uh, an episode of Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> that was just oh, brilliant. We'll figure it out in the way, Biz- Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> so all these years later, sitting there, fast-forwarding through Lizzie McGuire, the rest of the show, it's just recorded Disney Channel for the rest of the night. <laughs> oh, oh, brilliant. Disaster. Oh, my Absolute God, and disaster. you've been spending that for 10 bloody years. 10 years. 
right? And not only that, I've been doing this every week at this point, right? So I think I've got all these Raws and Smackdowns and Impacts and NXTs recorded on DVD, but little do I know that it's probably all these episodes of fucking Corey in the House and That's So Raven from all these years. Listen, <laughs> Disney Plus is nothing on you. You've got their entire bad catalogue. No, exactly. I've got the whole library upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. How's it funny how... Things go full circle. We're now living in lockdown 2020 and Lizzie yeah. McGuire is being rebooted for <laughs> Disney+. Plus. This is written in the sand, mate. Oh, man. It's, uh, you know the way for 10 years I just thought I had lockdown 2010. I was like, I've got this massive collection upstairs yeah, of all yeah. this wrestling. It turns out it's just all Disney Channel shows and adverts and stuff. Here, listen, if you ever need to watch uh, Steamboat Willie, then you're, you're sorted. No, I know. I didn't have that one. I, I did watch that on Disney Plus the other day just for no, out of curiosity, you know, yeah. so... So the moral of the story is I subscribed to Impact Plus, the Impact Wrestling subscription service, right? Because I wanted to see Lockdown 2010. It piqued my interest, you know what I mean? I wanted to watch the show and listen to the podcast so I knew it was going on, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to do like a sort of 30-day free trial, but it turns out you can't do that. So I'm going to just try and watch whatever I can this month. Anyway, there's a bunch of stuff on there. I recommend checking it out. So I checked out Lockdown 2010, really, really enjoyed the show. There's a really good match in there between Kurt Angle and Mr. Anderson. Yeah. Uh, and it's an all steel oh, cage yeah. pay-per-view obviously lockdown so they have this great story this great match Kurt Angle does this moonsault off the top of the cage and he pretty much lands in his neck it's uh, mm. ridiculous obviously his history of neck problems and that sort of thing um, crazy match yeah of course so uh, I checked out that and then checked out the Bishop pro- uh, podcast so the only other thing I did this thing a few years ago um, was um, I don't know why it was I must have just watched like one match right so what I would do is I would just, it was like from 2008 sort of time, like in a late Ruthless Aggression. Um, it may actually have been Great American Bash 2008 because I know Jericho and Michaels have that match where like he elbows him and Michaels is bleeding really bad and it's really sort of graphic and violent and because of that they were like, okay, we can't have blood like this again. It kind of changed the business a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't I think it was Great American Bash, I don't know. Um, was it? Oh yeah, yeah. I could be, I don't know because they were building that big match in No Mercy, weren't they? That amazing ladder match they end up doing. But, um, but anyway, uh, I was ruined that time anyway. So for some reason, what I did was I, I finished one show and I moved straight on to the next one and straight on to the next one and I watched the individual stories progress over each pay per view, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was a really cool idea and I always wanted to go back to it. And of course, the network's there, there's no excuse not to do it now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They're all right in front of you. So I thought I'd start back and do it now. I started with Backlash 2007. Okay. And uh, really, really interesting show, um, right after WrestleMania 23, obviously. And uh, so, you know, MVP's on here. MVP wrestles Chris Benoit, and uh, it's like a WrestleMania rematch. And I always loved MVP's theme song, right? I thought it was really underrated and that sort of thing. Did you know it goes... No, I thought it goes, uh, I dropped the cannon, I'm on the loose. That's what I thought it went like, the, right? Oh, the Baldwin theme. Yeah. No, no, the one that goes, uh, I'm coming, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. So I thought it was... Uh, drop the cannon, I'm on the loose, right? <laughs> Turns out it's, I'm like, Tropicana, I got the juice. No, you know that? no, it's not. <laughs> I'm like, Tropicana, I got the juice. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's worse than, than than John Cena's, I'll brush your mouth like Colgate. Right? <laughs> so I was like, that's not MVP's theme song. But it turns out it is. <laughs> Bloody hell. I feel like the Chris Jericho lyrics are mental as well. Oh, they are weird, aren't they? It's like, well, it's baby, I'll be your Judas and your priest, which is ironic now because of Judas. I don't know. That is weird. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Undertaker and Batista are on that show in a last man standing match. That's a really good match. 
Uh, Taker does this spot as well where he puts Batista on the announce table and Undertaker yeah. walks on the barricade like Jeff Hardy and he leg drops Batista through the announce table and the table like explodes. Such a weird spot like Taker doing this leg drop off the barricade. God, totally random. Those guys had excellent uh, chemistry. They had really good matches, didn't they? Totally random, really good matches. The main event of that show was John Cena versus Shawn Michaels versus Randy Orton versus Edge in a fatal four-way match. And I kind of had like a, like a wee epiphany that the reason why multi-man matches are so popular and, you know, they're so much fun is because they're like a showcase of the top stars and the top talent of that time, yeah. you know? Yeah. So you know what I mean? Like the Survivor Series tag matches and stuff, it kind of like showcases the top stars around that time. You know, there's always one every year. Whoever's the top the top stars or the top stars of the tag team is they're not called an L title or whatever. You know, if you put on this match, you see the four people in this match, you know, it's like they're the top four guys on Raw in 2007. You know, so I really enjoyed that show. So I recommend checking that out. Check out Backlash Show 7 in Lockdown 2010, <laughs> sponsored by the Wrestling Connection. And don't forget the Lizzie McGuire show available for streaming on Disney Plus. Or from Chris's library. <laughs> uh, so that was my week in terms of watching wrestling. Another really weird week, but it kind of segues nicely into our first segment of the week, which is this the match of the week. Wrestling recommendations, wrestling. Recommendations, wrestling, recommendations, match of the week. Oh yeah. Okay, this week's match of the week is my recommendation is a match from April 23rd, 2007. Six days before Backlash 2007 and it is on Monday Night Raw from <sighs> London, England. Uh, from Earl's Court, so it's like a different kind of venue, a different setup. It yeah. kind of looks kind of, you know, weird for a, a UK Raw show. The main event of that show was John Cena versus Shawn Michaels in a WrestleMania 23 main event rematch. It's a non-title match, and they wrestle for about 53 minutes. Um, Incredible. And, you know, we used 53 to kind of exaggerate things a lot, but I think genuinely it's about 53 minutes of this match um, on on this televised main event. You know, which I kind of like as well because it's like they were kind of promoting the fact that Edge and Orton was still going to happen, yeah. but they didn't have time to get to it because Michaels and Cena ran on too long. <laughs> Excellent, <laughs> which is dead, dead funny. I remember at the time loving this match because I was such big fans of Michaels and Cena, but now being older, you know, I can kind of appreciate wrestling a bit more. You just kind of can see how much chemistry they have and how well they work together, you know, and how much chemistry they have. Michaels is just drenched in sweat in this match he's just exhausted and there's like a slow pace to this match as if they're kind of building to something so it kind of feels like a really big main event style match and JR and King they sell this match like yeah. mad like this is a, such a classic we're watching we're so lucky that we're here to see this match you know when Michaels wins of course you know which is really yeah, unexpected nice. because Cena never lost at that time no one beat Cena and it was non-title so it was fine and the finish comes out of nowhere I love this finish do you remember this match? I remember it really, really well. I was 16 when it happened and uh, I just kind of gone, like like we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we spoke about a wrestling story, you know, I'd gone from, you know, being very childlike with my wrestling fandom to being quite insecure and inward. And this was when I was starting to come out Michelle again with wrestling and mm. really appreciating, not to take too much from our, uh, Colt Cabana here, but I was really appreciating the art of wrestling. Yeah. And this was, this was a great example of that. Um, it's funny because I've never been hugely into the Brett and Sean uh, 60 minute Ironman match, but this match for me, for the lot of the reasons you've outlined, uh, really did it for me. Like if a match is going to be long, there's that kind of 
je ne sais quoi that it needs to have. And I think that there's a combination of the presentation, the venue, the way that JR uh, and King build the match up and, and make make it really Brilliant. feel like something special. And then the result, of course, was an excellent and unexpected result. So, yeah, uh, that match was as Chris Jericho credits that match as being yes. his kind of trigger for wanting to that's come right. back in 2007. I I'm believe he sure. texted Sean and he was like, "That's what pro wrestling is all about," you know, and um, yeah. which is really cool. And I love the fact this is on Raw. Do you know what I mean? Like the WrestleMania 23 match is awesome, but this is better and it's on Raw. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, I like the idea. And you, you kind of talk about like best Raw matches of all time. This is always in the conversation, you know. So if you're looking for something to watch this week, to all those wrestling fans out there. Check this one out. Michaels and Cena, April 23rd, 2007 from Raw in London. Check it out. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Let's um, let's move on to what you're thankful for this week, my friend. Absolutely. Let's do it. Cue jingle. What I'm thankful for in wrestling this week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I gave a lot of thought to what I was thankful for this week, um... Because, like I said, when we first did this a couple of weeks ago, we live in a kind of a negative world. And in these times, it can be hard to find positive things. And you'll know yourself, Chris, in the last few weeks in wrestling, we've we've had deaths. We've had people getting released from their job, all kinds yep. of controversies, lawsuits. Like, there's a lot of stuff that you could look at and go, I am sick of wrestling right now. Uh, and so I, get, I thought, you know, it's got to be, again, something quite personal and I know you, this will mean something to you as well. This week, I'm thankful for replica belts. All right. Nice. <laughs> so we're going to go back in time 20 years now. Uh, it's I'm nine years old. And uh, Kurt Angle actually just bet The Rock for the WWF Championship at No Mercy 2000. Great match. Which I was traumatized by. Absolutely. But... I knew that on my Christmas list, I wanted the belt because whether The Rock held it or Angle held it, I loved that Attitude Era big Absolutely. belt with the big blue globe on it. It's the best Beautiful one. belt, still my favorite, I think, yeah, of too. all time. Uh, and I asked for it for Christmas. I had a very, very lucky, very privileged upbringing. So in my kind of uh, immature and kind of unsympathetic point of view i kind of thought oh there's a really good chance i'm gonna get this belt for christmas i can't wait <laughs> uh, and i did but my poor mum god bless her of course this was like pre-amazon or anything like that so yeah. like you know she went to must have gone to every toy shop in scotland i think and she eventually got me this beautiful foam replica of that belt but it must have been one of the first foam belts that ever got put in the production line because it's the 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 blue attitude era title that austin debuted the night after wrestlemania but it is like that exact belt and that it has the wwf block logo on it not the scratch That's logo right yeah uh, so it's that kind of early oh, version of it uh, and it's like obviously it's like a foam on the and plastic and i was absolutely like besotted with this thing uh and i would carry it everywhere i wore it all day on christmas day yep. i used to just sit and stare at the blue globe for ages with it nice. And uh, I took it to school. Eventually, I was banned from taking it into school because it caused too much, too many fights, <laughs> too much conflict. Um, and uh, I, over the years, I would get other foam belts. I had an Intercontinental title, I had a tag team, I had a nice. smoking skull. Uh, and my brother and I would fight over them, like play fight, kind of wrestle, and we would practice moves on each other and stuff. 
Um, and over time, that original foam WWF championship got so scratched up that we had to turn it into the hardcore championship because <laughs> it got so, okay, so yeah. beaten up and so scratched. Um, and then, you know, for many years after that, when I grew older, I didn't have belts until I, I was given as a gift a, a spinner belt just around the time CM Punk uh, was the WWE champion mm. and when he was having his year-long run with it. And so the spinner belt kind of felt more cool again yeah and uh i've since like sold that belt but i keep coming full circle like with this and my oldest friend robert who i've mentioned a few times in the podcast Shout out to robert. Uh, he's been my friend since we're in primary one we've got so many wrestling memories together some of which will i'll maybe go on to mention later on this episode uh we were once out at a bar playing pool and he said like whoever wins this game of pool wins a long-standing bet that we had the loser has to buy the other person replica tag team titles, but not the foam ones. I'm talking the expensive mm. proper replica ones with the metal plates. Yeah. Uh, the ones that cost you in the triple figures. Uh, wow. And this was years ago. And uh, I won that game of pool, which is a fluke because I'm terrible and Robert's actually pretty good at pool. Um, <laughs> and it, wow. it's true. Uh, and Robert said, you know, right, okay, you'll not know when it is, but one day I'm going to buy you I'm going to buy us replica tag team titles. We loved the Hardy Boys growing up. And then when they returned at WrestleMania in, in, in uh, 2017 mm. and won the Raw tag team titles with the, the beautiful kind of red ones that are still used to, to this day, uh, it was uh, it was a great moment for us. We felt really nostalgic. And about six or seven months later, um, he came up to me and he was like, some people have friendship bracelets, we have friendship belts. And as I speak and oh. as I record and talk into this microphone, Chris, I'm looking up at the top of my shelf and there sits my raw tag team title. And I know that its companion is away at Robert's place, uh, just a few miles away. And uh, nice, I won't get right? to see that physically in the in the, uh, in, uh, in the flesh for a while, yeah. but uh, it's a nice kind of friendship symbol. And of course, I enjoy whenever you go to like inside the rope shows or whatever, and you you see somebody who's got a belt, and that way a belt is literally connecting you because you then got something to talk about, and they might have signatures in the belt. Yeah, and yeah. I know I know you've got a few signatures in your big gold belt, so it's uh, belts are great. They're obviously a symbol of wrestling. Uh, kids love them, adults love them, and they can connect people. They don't just connect trousers to your waist, folks. Belts no, can not. connect people, and that's what I'm grateful for this week. It's not a belt, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a beautiful story, man. I didn't know. I, I, I knew the story, but I didn't know it was like the game of pool and it was like this long-standing bet and that sort of thing. So that was, um, that yeah, was really, yeah. really cool. I could just imagine Robert's face when you won the game. He was raging. But I, so I never actually thought he would go through with it. It must have cost him hundreds of quid to do this. I still feel guilty to this day. Oh, there's no point in feeling guilty. Do you know what I mean? It's not as if you force them to buy it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Um, he, he didn't have to do it. He was, just, he was just being a man of his word, which is why we respect Robert greatly on this show. No, I think that's a great shout for um, what you're thankful for this week. I love things like that, like replica belts and commemorative things from shows and that sort of thing. I had that attitude there, the one you were talking about, like the foam one with the block logo, which I totally forgot about. That was weird because um, it was only for like a short period of time that like, was the block logo before it changed to the scratch logo later in 98 but yeah I wish I still had that it was kind of like all faded and that sort of thing um, but yeah I love that one I, I used that one a lot because I, we talked about backyard wrestling a lot a couple weeks ago um, and because of that I would always kind of use like the, the foam belts and that sort of thing as like the championship titles for my wrestling company out the back garden 
So that was always fun, like kind of buying them for that, and like my friends had them, and they would like donate theirs so we could use their belts and that sort of thing for the show, you know. So that was a lot of fun. But in terms of actually like the replica, like the big heavy one, like a yeah. leather belt. In 2010, I managed to talk my parents into getting me one for my birthday. I have no idea how I managed to talk them into it. I must have just begged them and begged them and begged them. Um, yeah. And they got me the big gold belt, the World Heavyweight Championship in 2010. It had like kind of like the red rubies like around the side of it and stuff like that. It was just so yeah. just mesmerizing getting that big box and opening it. And it, it came in like the cool sort of black case with the WWE logo on the front and then just like unboxing it and stuff and taking out the case. Such a beautiful moment. I still have it in my room. And uh, yes, I have it signed by a few people. I have it signed by uh, Jeff Hardy, who I met in 2011 at the TNA show, which was um, trippy, and I'll tell that story somewhere down the line. Uh, I also have it signed yeah. by John Morrison, funnily enough, because I met him in April of 2011, and at the time I was like, oh, he's, he's definitely going to be a future world champion, brother. Yeah. So uh, he was released a few months later, but now he's back, so hopefully maybe, maybe one day he'll get like, the universal title or something. And I also have it shined by Seamus. Signed, signed by, by Seamus. No, just imagine you showing up with some wax. You know, Seamus, you go, Seamus, mate, go do the favour. Shine that up for me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Signed by Seamus, not shined. Not shined by Seamus. That would have been that would have been funny. But that was cool because at the time when I met him in April of 2012, he was the world champion in real life. You know, so he brought. His world title, it was on the table, and then I had my replica, and he was like, it's the same size as the real one, fella. Uh, so that was really, really cool. So yeah, replica belts, big big up to that one. Good shout. And uh, I think that's a, a very beautiful thing to be thankful for. Love it. This week is going to be uh, a little bit different, actually. So the past few podcasts, we've talked about kind of like our favourite moments, our favourite matches, you know, that sort of thing. What, what we love about wrestling and all that stuff over the past couple of weeks. And this week, we're going to go a little bit more personal. We're going to talk about a sort of subject that kind of connects everybody you know in terms of being wrestling fans and that is going to see the wrestling live going to an arena going to a small venue going to a stadium whatever it may be to see wrestling live and in person there's nothing that quite beats live wrestling no matter you know the day the time of the yep. year you know what, what what card it is who's there what the company is it doesn't matter there's just there's something special about walking in the very first time and seeing the ring and seeing the stage and seeing the whole crowd and that sort of thing so um, yeah. Glenn and I have been to a bunch, we've, we've got plenty to talk about between us, so we're going to just tell some of our favourite stories, our favourite memories and experiences whilst being at Wrestling Live. Uh, in terms of doing the prep for this episode, I found it so hard, it took me ages, it took me ages to put together these match cards and that sort of thing. How was it for you yeah. in terms of finding the, the research and doing the research and finding the cards of shows you've attended in the past? Uh, similar, it took me a while to put it all together, my phone was like hot. Like by the time I'd like yeah. screenshot match cards and taken down notes of things. And uh, again, talk about being fortunate. I've been to see like the WWE alone so many times that it's it mm -hmm. was hard to place like what date, what year it was I saw this. But as I hope we'll get into, there's other shows that I've been to which are memorable for other reasons. And uh, I'm looking forward to this one, Chris. Uh, we'll see how much we actually get to discuss. I don't think there's... Uh, any hope in hell that we'll get to discuss every show we've ever been to no way, man. but let's let's see what happens this will be interesting well my first show was in 2002 um which is which is a while ago now but you were a bit earlier than me i think you were the year before you were 2001 what was what was your first experience at a live wrestling show you can well, tell us it started quite big <laughs> i mentioned uh, i mentioned this a couple of weeks ago uh, in episode one uh my first show was the uk only exclusive pay-per-view rebellion 2001 uh, on Saturday the 3rd of November 
2001, of course. Uh, I'm sorry, can, can I just stop you right there? I'm sorry. Imagine this is your first ever show, right? All the listeners out there, you know, this is Glenn's first ever wrestling experience. A live UK exclusive WWE pay-per-view where the main event is The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. You are so lucky, my friend. I I still, to this day, feel really fortunate. And, like, for anybody of any age, that would be a big deal. But for me, I was 10. Like, I was in the... Oh, man. Oh, I lived and breathed wrestling at this point. Jesus, man. You mentioned that feeling of walking into an arena for the first time. And yeah. for me, I don't care if you're at the Hydro or a big stadium or you're at the garage going to see ICW. That feeling's always there, seeing the ring as you walk into the venue. Big or small, it's always a, a little adrenaline rush, rush for me. But 10-year-old Glenn walking into the Evening News Arena that it was insane for a few reasons i remember walking into it's just called the manchester arena now i think but back then it was the evening news arena and uh, i remember walking in and we were in the uh the kind of uh, like lobby bit and uh, seeing two guys who not only were cosplaying as the dudley boys but they were carrying a table <laughs> what and i just think that 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 just shows you, like, no um, even though that this was only about, you know, like um, less than two months after 9-11, <laughs> the security hadn't quite tightened yeah. up yet. And you could, because nowadays you can't like, bring a bottle of water in, and quite rightly so. I mean, security <laughs> is important at these things. And obviously the Manchester Arena has since had a, a, the, the, that tragedy in yeah, oh my god! So, but back then... You could take your own table if you wanted. It's <laughs> <laughs> that table, a full-on table. Yeah. So these two, I don't know if they were actually able to take it into the, the show, but they were no. in the lobby with two pints of beer, Imagine. like carrying this table. <laughs> I wonder if, if there's any chance that those guys are listening. They, they had, Get in touch, please, because like, oh I know it God. was nearly 20 years ago, but like they had they had it down to a T to the camel. It was like proper the Dudley's 2001 era gear. Um, and then we walked so imagine in. imagine you were the people sitting next to them in their seats now they'd be like when you've <laughs> when like you've got like an empty seat next to you you're thinking oh i hope this person's all right do you know what i mean and they just walk in carrying a wooden table <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to think they put the table up and just laid out some crisps for people yeah you know, just gonna put your feet up hospital. and that sort of thing <laughs> yeah uh, i remember not really understanding how big venues worked because i've never been to a concert before this uh, or right. anything like that so i didn't know how arenas worked i'd only seen them on like wwf programming uh, I remember uh, I was walking in and going uh, through the doors and then Robert's dad saying, right, go all the way down. I'm like, are you kidding me? I thought we were way up the back. These are WWF tickets. We're, there's no way we're close to the front, but we're on the floor. Uh, on the and floor? so we went all the way down and it's hard to, we were on the same side as the hard camera, but just slightly to the left. Uh, so kind of between the ring right. and the Titantron. Nice. Uh, but, oh at, but, but at the bottom of the ramp, so more close to the ring side. Like if I could see the venue now, I could point it out. If I was in the Manchester Evening News or the Manchester Arena now, I could take you to the exact seat that we sat, I'm sure. Um, and uh, I remember that feeling of when we walked in, like there was the ring the set which was the raw is war set yeah that's right and um the the rebellion theme the that's right that's right was it not used as like luke gallows theme song or something uh maybe yeah i think that's been recycled a few times yeah 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 yeah, yeah. uh and uh that was playing and i remember like mobile phones were quite new at that point but robert's dad got a phone call from robert's mum and 
she was primarily there to speak to Robert and his brother. But I, I spoke to her as well. And I just remember her saying, how do you feel? And I just looked up and I looked at the ring. And I just said, wow. I had no words for it. Yeah. Um, and of course, like, you know, the show, I actually think having recently watched it objectively, like on paper compared to everything else they put into 2001, it's nowhere near the best show. Like it's, it's nah, not, they never were, though, it's not really a show shows. by any stretch. You know what I mean? But it will always hold a special place in my heart. Everything from like the dark match, which was uh, Billy Gunn and Chuck Palumbo, not Billy and Chuck. They weren't Billy and Chuck yet. They were just Billy Gunn and Chuck Palumbo. Gunn uh, and Palumbo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, versus uh, the Impact players from ECW, just incredible and Lance Storm. Oh, nice. Um, and then the pay per view starts. JR came out before the show started and cut a promo. It was kind of a very triumphant kind of how proud he was to have made the journey across the pond because it was the first big international flight they'd done since 9 11. Right. Because um, again, this is November 3rd, 2001. It's been under two months since that, that yeah. uh, terrible event. Jesus. Uh, and so, like, that got the crowd kind of rallied up and weirdly American patriotic um, yeah. for a Manchester crowd. <laughs> USA. Uh, <laughs> and the show kicked off. And I'm not going to break down the entire card because we'd be here all night. Mm. Uh, but I just, one memory that really stands out was when the first match started and the entrances kicked off the first match for anyone who's not seen rebellion 2001 was a cage match between edge and christian uh, which was has to this day my favorite finish to a cage match ever which i was so happy that uh, I absolutely think it, i think it was wolfgang and bt gun did the same finish a few like you know a few years ago in icw uh it was great to see it being done again uh but like I remember when Edge was coming out, like he had the first entrance when the broadcast has started. And I just remember Robert tapping me and I looking at him uh, and he just said, that's the real Edge. I was like, holy God, he's right. Nice. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm sure over the, uh, you know, like I hope we can do this podcast for a lot longer, uh, you know, over a long period of time. And I'm sure I'll have other stories to tell. Um, but just so that this isn't the Glenn show, uh, there's lots of stories I could tell about that show. Go and watch on the network. It's a lot of fun. And uh, that's how I kicked it off. And as at some point later on in the pod, I'll get to, um, I went from a bang to a whimper with my wrestling live shows after that. Um, but uh, that was chronologically the first one that I went to. And then, of course, you weren't too long after me. I wasn't too far away from that. No, um, but honestly, Rebellion 2001 is... As you say, it's not the greatest show, but none of the UK shows were around that time, no. like Insurrection, that sort of thing. They were like glorified house shows for Sky Box Office. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, but that show is one of the very first ones I ever bought on VHS. And I kind of mentioned this in episode one when we were talking about early wrestling memories, that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. I just love that show. I love the way it looks. I love the way it sounds. I love the opening match with Edge and Christian. And uh, Jericho and Angle have a really good match on that yeah. show. And there's this uh, there's this promo backstage. It's like a sort of round table promo. And it's like lit with, with one light bulb. Yes. It's like a strategy meeting between Austin and, and Vince. And I think Angle as well. It's, it's like full of nostalgia for me, that one segment. So when, when is it that you actually told me that you were at that show? Because I must have gone mental when you told me. Uh, may, I think, it, do you know what? When we The day we first met nearly eight years ago, uh, I may have told you then. Because we had a lot of time to talk. Yeah, it might have been. It might have been just like talking about other shows that we'd been to and that sort of thing. I don't know. Probably. probably. Well, I had a bunch of time. Uh, anyway, in terms of, you mentioned walking in and seeing the ring for the first time. 
one of the last days before the quarantine and the isolation and the lockdown and all that thing, Glenn and I actually attended a show together at the Glasgow Pavilion. Oh, and yeah. uh, it was the family-friendly shows that, or one of the family-friendly shows that Grado has been producing. And it was so much fun. Uh, we we kind of talked about it then. You know, walking into the theatre and seeing the ring and that sort of venue and that sort of thing. It was still giving us that was. I don't know what it is. I don't know, you know, what it is about seeing the ring for the first time. Yeah. It's just, um, I can't really describe it. It's a beautiful feeling. It's it, it's it's something that's built into being a wrestling fan. Uh, and all these examples we talk about, there's there's just not been a wrestling show, big or small, where I haven't had that. Yeah, totally. I feel like though when I go to the theatre and stuff and like concerts and that sort of thing, I still get that feeling. But it's not quite as special and it's not quite as big, you know? Um, yeah. Anyway, it's not quite as special as going to the wrestling. My first show was May 2, 2002. And it was a it was at the SECC in Glasgow. And back then, that was like the venue. Everything was held there, whether it be a concert or yeah. or other like sporting venues and that sort of, but sporting events and that sort of thing. It was always there. Um, and I wrote down the match card and I'm going to read out this match card here. And just thinking about the people that I've seen on this show. And you know, there's something about going to a show and seeing someone. You know, more than like the matches itself, yeah. you kind of want to go and see the person. You know, I've always said I wanted to go see Brock Lesnar, but he was fucking yeah. on this show. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, it's not so much, you know, like when, you, when you're selling a main event like it used to be. It's more like the attraction now, you know, going to see a certain wrestler or whatever. So on this show, the opener was RVD versus X-Pac. We had Jerry Lawler and Jackie versus Mr. Perfect and Molly Holly. I had um, no idea that Jerry Lawler let wrestled on this show. Yep, he and Mister Perfect in the same match. Wow. Uh, we had Brock Lesnar versus Matt Hardy before he was broken. This could have been the start of the descent. Uh, wow. We had a hardcore fatal four way, which was uh, Sean Stasiak versus Just Incredible versus Stevie Richards versus Crash Holly. Brilliant. Um, That's funny because uh, at that time, the only person who was consistently on telly was Sean Stasiak out of that lineup. That's right. Planet Stasiak. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> disaster. Uh, this was this really sticks in my head. There was lots of run-ins and you know lots of weapons and it was the 24-7 rule. The title changed hands a bunch of times. A lot of fun. Then we had Jazz versus Trish Stratus, which was cool. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Big Show, which blows my mind, the fact I saw Austin. Incredible. You yeah. Know? Just, just just in time before he retired in the following year. That's right. Just before he walked out. Yeah. Literally just, was, I, just, I just read that chapter under the black yeah, hat. Yeah, it was literally just after that tour that he went. That That's it. right. Yeah, because he was doing that stuff for like Big Show and Ric Flair around Judgment Day. Yeah. Um, he was actually meant to feud with Eddie Guerrero. Did you know that? Like, um, you see this when you come up to it in, in the Raw shows in two thousand and two. But he starts planting seeds for a feud against Eddie Guerrero, right, and yeah. the matches they could have had where they just had, an oh, they would have been amazing. Oh, Eddie had the match with the with the Rock on Raw, which is brilliant, you know. Yeah. Eddie oh, Guerrero. Classic. Anyway, uh, we also had uh, Tommy Dreamer and Spike Dudley versus Booker T and Goldust. Dreamer and Spike actually won this match. Wow. Um, <laughs> we had. Moment. We had Eddie Guerrero versus Jeff Hardy for the Intercontinental title, another mental match. Scott Hall versus Bradshaw, because Bradshaw was on that big push at the time. That's right, yeah. And in the main event, we had Triple H and Ric Flair versus The Undertaker and William Regal. Amazing. Um, Just a mental show. And the thing I remember the most about this match, about the show, was the loud music. Uh, not being able to see a lot of stuff, you know, because of my seats, I had floor seats. 
had to stand on my dad's shoulders and he was standing on a chair. The security guard kept telling us to sit down. Uh, you know, uh, what else did I remember? Buying the Hulk Still Rules t-shirt. A, a bunch of us yeah. in our group bought that t-shirt. The Hardcore Feel 4-Way and uh, just seeing Triple H and Undertaker and that sort of thing and just being like, yeah, probably the same as what you did, you know, but I saying to my dad, yeah. this is the real, the real Undertaker, do you know what I mean? And the real Triple H and the fact the answer was yes to that question is, is absolutely mental. So started <laughs> off with a bang and uh, it was a big one for sure. Well, this is the thing, because uh, you asked that question, is this the real Undertaker? Now, if I had asked my dad that question at the next wrestling show I attended, the, the answer would be <laughs> no. Uh, and if you don't mind Chris I'd like to talk about the second wrestling show that I ever attended yes please do now if there's anyone listening to this who has a similar experience of this type of show please please get in touch I've been researching these shows online for like 24 hours now (laughs) I've become a little bit obsessed (laughs) if you're a wrestling fan of a certain age you will remember that in the late 90s into the early 2000s, there would be a series of shows that would tour the entire UK and they were WWF slash WCW tribute shows where local, rather pasty uh, and weedy talent would <laughs> just imitate the other the big names. So there would be a fake Steve Austin, a fake Undertaker, a fake anyone you can imagine. Uh, and I was they reading came. about these shows recently, and I realized I read that uh, Paige's dad, Ricky Knight, was the fake road warrior animal, which is incredible. <laughs> brilliant, um, of course he was. I had no idea. <laughs> uh, so in, I think it was October or November of 2003, it would have been, I went to a show at, get this, so I went from the, Me- the Rebellion 2001 at the Manchester Evening News Arena, thousands of people. I went to Mogai Town Hall. Uh, for ah, yes. uh, I can't even remember what it was called it was like American Wrestling Tribute Show now full disclosure I was 12 going in there with my wee cousin and my dad I knew straight I knew immediately like before like when we bought the tickets because I bought them out of a public library I knew that right. it wasn't a WWF <laughs> show like I knew yeah. it was a tribute show but I thought it's live wrestling it'll be fun I want to yeah. go like I'm never going to get to see the WWF again so I thought uh, so this is important and I got in there and everything i've read about these shows since then speaks quite disparagingly about how they were promoted and how it was a total carny kind of rip-off thing and it was so depressing it was like you know the the opening of the film the wrestler where he's wrestling all these rundown tacky shows yeah yeah totally. it, was like like that. it was a tacky ring which had like the turnbuckles were like a boxing ring with like the full pads <laughs> like new japan uh, and uh <laughs> Yeah, like that, but not in a glamorous kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there was a guy, a really dodgy guy selling raffle tickets, going around, just around the ring, and uh, around the four or five rows of seats, going, <laughs> right. raffle tickets, raffle tickets. There was a merch stand that sold old magazines and replica belts and just loose action figures, you know. Um, From people's collections. And, uh, and then, so then we sat down and... Uh, the show would start the first match. I can't remember who he faced, but it was fake Rikishi versus somebody, right? And the fake Rikishi <laughs> fake was just Rikishi. this. Yeah, oh my god, it was just this big white guy, this big fat white guy, <laughs> uh, who wore the thong, but he wouldn't take his top off, so he had a red t-shirt on. Right. But he did the dancing to the music and stuff, <laughs> of and he'd fight whoever it was. And there, there was a, a comparer who would stand in the corner on a microphone, and he would announce the matches on the microphone. And he would get everyone to chant. And so it was like total pantomime. He would go, and he didn't know the guy, he would call him Rakishi instead of Rikishi. 
Uh, and it's the right. way that JR used to, but not. You know, so you go, uh, right. Rocky She, Rocky She. <laughs> and you'd all have to chant along. The same guy played Rikishi doubled up as Mick Foley later on in the show, like during the Battle <laughs> Royal. Cool and I'll, you know how Mankind used to kind of do these kind of like head turns and stuff. Like uh, he, he came out to the ring again as Mankind later on, and uh, <laughs> he um like like a wee shaky kind of confident guy sat next to me, that looked him dead in the eye as he walked past and went and went, "All right, Rikishi." <laughs> uh, and he just sort of ignored him and turned away. Right, um, fake Undertaker was there. Uh, fake Rey Mysterio wasn't too bad. He could do a good six one nine, and there was a rumble match to end the night. Uh, <laughs> but one of my highlights was seeing the Dudley Boy. <laughs> not the Dudley Boys. <laughs> the Dudley Boy. Oh just uh, why not just call him Bubba Ray? Because it, it was clearly <laughs> yeah. supposed to be Bubba Ray Dudley. They just called him the Dudley Boy. <laughs> Like the chanting was oh so forced God. and robotic. It was like in the WWE Warzone game where the crowd would go, player one, player one. It was like that. Uh, and at the end, they said, at the end of the show, if you want to photograph with uh, Rey Mysterio and Undertaker, it's five pounds to go in the <laughs> ring. And I was the first one to go up. I said, Dad, can I get it? And I still have that Polaroid to this day. Maybe we'll post it on the Instagram, Chris. Yeah, we have uh, to. Oh, because, my God. The uh, Dudley when boy. this episode uh, lands, we'll, we'll, we'll send it out. Uh, because uh, I paid five pounds. I got into the ring. And it was mainly, I didn't really want the picture of them. I just wanted to say that I'd been in a ring. Yeah, uh, yeah totally. I'm and totally so I got yeah. in there and this, 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 this guy, this Undertaker kind of puts his hand around my neck. And uh, the Rey Mysterio kind of just kind of flexes his bicep and we, we take a, a picture. And some wee guy in the audience went, Lonar, at me as I was in the ring. <laughs> and I was really embarrassed, really embarrassed. But then after that, a bunch of kids would do it. So I, I started <laughs> it, Chris. Um, so that was a, a not so glamorous show. And I just, I, it was a thing. Robert went to one as well, uh, where like the guy who played Stone Cold looked like Kid Fight, you know, from ICW. Ah, yeah, of course. So, like, please, if anyone has been to any of those shows back in the day, they're horrible. But get in touch, please do. Oh my god, that was that was real tears. I'm really laughing there. That was so funny. The Dudley, <laughs> the Dudley boy. boy, and I didn't win the raffle either. Oh no, of course. If you want photograph with Rey Mysterio and the Undertaker, why don't you come into the ring? <laughs> oh my god, that was hilarious. I, I'd never been to one of those shows. I've not, un- unfortunately, never went to one. I would have loved it, um, but I've heard Grado mm. talk about them before. Um, he's kind of mentioned Bubba Ray Dudley, but he's, he never mentioned he was called the Dudley Boy. The Dudley that's, Boy, yeah. Uh, that's excellent. No, I really, really wish I could go and go back in time and go to one of those shows. But, I'd, you know, you know the way it's always like a myth I'd heard about it, but I'd never actually seen it, you know. So now that you're a living proof and a living witness, the fact that you were there, that's um, that, that's brilliant. It made me laugh a lot. Yeah, there was something else. I would never want to relive it, but I'm kind of perversely glad I've got the memory. Okay, so my second show, luckily, was also a WWE show, and it was the WrestleMania Revenge Tour. It was on March 21st, 2004. Okay. And uh, it was a SmackDown show. It was at the Brayhead Arena. It was my first time at the Brayhead Arena. I was with my mum, my dad, and my cousin. Uh, this was around the sort of time we were all still into wrestling and all kind of wanted to go to the show and that sort of thing. Not quite as much as before, but still, I mean, 2004, still around that time, you know, I was still really young and we still kind of wanted to go to the shows together and you know, that sort of thing. So it was, it was my mum, my dad and my cousin. So we all went to Brayhead Arena for this, for this particular show. 
And I remember walking into the arena for the first time, and you know the way I knew I was going to the wrestling, I knew it was going to be WWE and that sort of thing, but when I sat down in my seat, and I saw the ring, and I saw the stage, and the big crowd, and that sort of thing, I was a bit kind of, because remember, at the SECC back in 2002, it was all floor seats, so I didn't have a very good view, you know, I didn't really understand what was going on really, at this show, I was up in the tiers, I had really good seats, and I could kind of see everything, and I sat down, and I looked about, and I burst into tears, Oh no! Before the show even started, like twenty minutes, a good twenty minutes before the show even started, right? I just started crying. <laughs> My dad was like, "What's wrong?" And I was like, I, "I, I don't know. I just, I didn't understand what was going on. Maybe, maybe I was just excited, or I was just happy to be there. I just Aww. couldn't believe I was there, right? So I just, I just was in tears. My, my tummy was going, you know, mental. Was doing somersaults. My dad was like, "What, what do you want me to do?" And I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> I was just happy to be there. So anyway, luckily my cousin was there and he kind of turned to me and he was like, do you want to go a walk or something? And I was like, yeah, that sounds good. So we left our seats and we went up to the kind of concession, but I was a mess. We went over to look at the t-shirts and the merch and all that stuff and I was I was shaking. Um, I guess I was just excited and happy. I don't yeah. know. I was just so prepared to, you know, to be at that show. And he, he bought me a juice and we walked back down the stairs and we kind of went down to the floor sort of bit. So our seats were further up, but, you know, we kind of yeah. just went to walk down the barricade or whatever. But I remember looking up at my, my seats and seeing my mum and dad waving at me and seeing if I was okay. And I was like, yeah, fine, hiya. So it was all, all a bit too much for me. So we did a full lap of like the barricades on the ground floor. And I think at that moment, I became like connected to like live wrestling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because every time I go to the sort of Brayhead Arena and even Brayhead itself, you know, uh, we actually don't need to go there anymore because in 2014, there was a brand new venue, an arena built in Glasgow called The Hydro, and that's where they do all the concerts and all the sporting events and the wrestling and all that sort of stuff. Now we, know, we don't even need to go to the Brayhead Arena anymore, but sometimes now when I go to Brayhead and I go to that kind of area, I kind of go down there and I kind of still get that feeling, Yeah. you know, I kind of like the way it smells and the way it sounds and the acoustics of the whole venue and that sort of thing. I still kind of get that kind of feeling, which I think is quite yeah. nice, you know, it's very nostalgic of me. You know, um, last year, actually, in 2019, we went to the NXT UK TV tapings, and I did the exact same thing. I was with two of my mates, and I left them to go get another drink, and when I came back down from my drink before I went back to my seat, I did the full lap of the barricade, you know, like I did on that day in 2004, and I was like, yep, the, the feeling's still there. I still yeah, get that kind of wow. feeling of being at a live show and being so close to it and that sort of thing. So that was a funny story. Uh, the main event of that show was Eddie Guerrero versus The Big Show. Wow. And... Uh, it was right after WrestleMania 20. Undertaker had just come back, right, at WrestleMania 20. And I remember I bought the program at this show. And you know how, like, in yeah. the programs, it has, like, the sort of profiles of the wrestlers. It's, like, pictures and details of their of their career and, like, their finisher and that sort of thing. So when it came to Undertaker's page, it came. It was just the Undertaker's yeah. symbol, right? Because he was transitioning between American Badass to Deadman. And they That's didn't have crazy. a picture of him yet. So they just put the Undertaker's symbol in the program and I remember saying to my dad like why is the Undertaker not in the program but obviously the, the program was made probably before Wrestlemania you know yeah, what I mean they didn't have a picture of him other on that show we had uh, the real Rikishi and Scotty Tohoti versus the Basham brothers <laughs> uh, John Cena versus Rhino Jamie Noble versus Nidia in a blindfold match wow they did that um, on TV I'm pretty sure on the Smackdown yeah they did and you know it was really really good because both those guys were so entertaining yeah. Jamie Dole uh, was hilarious. Like that, he was a real underrated talent. Yeah. Come on, Seth. Let's go, Seth. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, you go. You get. You give me one. 
Right, so like, there's a few I could talk from, but I think we need to kind of concede that we'll jump back and forth a bit in time because I think I'll make a bit of a jump here because uh, I did go to like my next show after the one I just spoke about was a uh, was a Raw House show in 2007. Uh, that one had uh, like main evented by Jeff Hardy and Triple H versus Randy Orton and Omega. Um, nice. I was at a SmackDown in ECW in April 2008. Um, which was Batista, Matt Hardy, and The Undertaker versus Edge, Mark Henry, and MVP. Uh, and so that, that was also an excellent show. After that show, my uh, my now uh, sadly passed away great Auntie Avril was going to um, uh, was going on holiday, and she was at like six in the morning the following day after the show, and she was at Glasgow Airport when all the wrestlers were coming through the airport. She just saw all these big big guys plus one really small guy Hornswoggle, uh, <laughs> and my Auntie Avril was one of those great kind of Scottish. Uh, women of that generation who just would, was like no nonsense wasn't impressed by anything uh, and had no problem going up to tired wrestlers at six in the morning so she took this kind of leaflet about how to prepare for security like in the airport and marched right up to any wrestler that didn't have headphones on and goes here you'll know my son uh, i mean you'll know my nephew he was at the show last night you'll have seen him it's thing i think in her mind it was like my guy town hall again not the brave yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're like so you gotta sign this for it and so then i i all i hit knew for for a couple of weeks was that auntie avril claimed to have met wrestlers and uh had got me some autographs i was like oh my god so i got the autographs back when she came back and the, the piece of paper is signed by Hornswoggle, who drew a wee clover, MVP, nice. Matt Hardy, and there's a, a fourth signature on it, which to this day I can't identify. That might be something I put on the Instagram oh, one really? day as well, Chris, because I, I need help identifying it. I remember WWE.com did an auction for a steel chair from Survivor Series 2007, the poster with Edge and the Chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that signature was on that chair. Mm. So it was somebody who was on the roster. I don't know if it was a referee or if it was a, a talent, but I can't tell. I'll send you a DM of the picture as well, Chris. Maybe you can help me with it. Yeah, yeah, please um, do. I'm quite good at that sort but, of thing, so I might be able to help you out, but no no promises. So it was somebody who'd have been touring with them at that time. Who it was, I don't know. Um, so that that's the only thing that came out of that show. But the, the one main show that I'd like to kind of skip to i'm also skipping past raw november 2008 which you were at where sean wrestled jbl yep uh, unless you want to talk about that show if you've got if you were if so you the only, to, yeah, the only thing from that show i remember um very vividly is i remember doing that sort of bow thing that we are not worthy bow thing to sean michaels after he oh, beat yeah. jbl and uh, i remember not coming to the top rope and kind of pointing at us and waving and i thought that was cool that sean michaels waved us <laughs> um but the main event See, of that I'm, show is batista and Rey mysterio versus alton and jericho what yeah, a main event that is what a match I uh, I managed to give uh, Randy Orton and Batista uh, a kind of a back pat on their sweaty backs afterwards. Mm. So uh, you know I've 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 had uh, Drax's sweat in my hands, folks. There you go. Uh, you had you had really close seats for that one. Yeah, we were on the floor for that one. Pretty good. Pretty like nice. fourth or fifth row, I think. So like at the end, we could just kind of wiggle around to, down to the front and try and get some high fives off some of the wrestlers. The only other um, thing from that show that, that I remember is that uh, I was in like a sort of big group. My dad took me and a few of my friends, right? And uh, my friend Mark, who wasn't so much a big wrestling fan then, but was when he was younger, he had never heard Kofi Kingston's theme song before. <laughs> and uh, I remember after the show, we were going down the escalators back to the car and he couldn't stop singing Kofi Kingston's theme song. He thought it was dead funny. I don't know why he kept singing "You Lose a Life" when he was coming to the escalators. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because I remember getting home from the show that night, putting on the telly and seeing Kofi Kingston on the BBC Scotland a portion of Chosen and Need that night. Right. 
He went straight from the Brayhead Arena to the STV or the BBC Studios in Glasgow. Uh, so that was a good show. Uh, I met Rey Mysterio that day. That's something I'll talk about, I guess, when we do our meet a wrestler segment in the weeks to come. Cool. I'm I'm jealous that you had a positive interaction with Shawn Michaels because, uh, you know. Uh, when we talk about that meet a wrestler segment most of the wrestlers that i've met that i'll talk about in the weeks to come have been symptomatic of my standing as being an absolute social disaster and (laughs) most of my interactions with wrestlers have been very embarrassing so i'll not give too much away now but i will say this my interaction with Shawn michaels is one of the most embarrassing moments of my life excellent Uh, so we'll get to that one day i look forward Uh, to it but i wanted to jump to 2012 the day i met you chris um the uh, Raw show on the 6th of November 2012 at the Brayhead Arena. And of course, as we spoke about last week, uh, we met Daniel Bryan and Clay- Kane that day. Yep. Uh, but you didn't go to the show afterwards, but my friend Callum and I did. And that was a good show. A lot of good matches. Santino and Rodas Clay beat Primo and Epico. Uh, Michael McGillicutty, pre-Curtis Axel, beat Tensai. Uh, the the match that stole the show was John Cena and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, oh, they cool. went for about twenty minutes, and it was a great, fantastic match. Yeah, great chemistry. Um, and uh, Cesaro beat Zack Ryder. Team Hell No beat the Road Scholars, Cody and mm. uh, Damian Sandow. Nice. But the story I want to share with this um, match was the main event: CM Punk versus Ryback. Feed and, me. Uh, feed me more indeed so my friend Callum who I was with I don't really talk to Callum anymore it's a shame but uh, Callum loves I'm sure he still does he certainly loved wrestling at the time but he hate he had this thing where he hated talking about it as if it wasn't a legit sport he needed it was just this thing that he had as a fan he needed to talk about it as if it was real so like you know just to give you an example uh, when Brock Lesnar quit after the John Cena match Extreme Lows 2012 or after the Triple H match at SummerSlam 2012 um, I said I texted him saying, "When do you think they'll bring him back for another match?" And Callum texted me back, going, "Never." He said he, he said he was done. Right, was like, but, <laughs> but that's the storyline. When do you think he's actually coming back? Uh, so it's like he he couldn't do it, and so a part of that meant that. And I, I I'm always a big believer in this. He always cheered the baby faces and booed the heels. Yeah, uh, and I still believe that. I still think you should do that. I love that doing that wrestling shows. But I will say in 2012, it was hard to do that because you know I love punk. And even though yeah. he was bad guy punk at this point, it, he was still so cool. So I was kind of win-win. I was into Ryback, but I, you know, I was a big, big punk fan. So we were in the second row for that show. Like the wow. second row opposite the entrance. Uh, and so we had a bunch of cool interactions with wrestlers that night. Callum is a loud guy. Uh, and so punk made his entrance, right? After, I think Ryback came out first and then punk made his entrance with Heyman. And Callum was belting it out. And he, now, Callum was a big guy, and he was wearing a big, bright green John Cena t-shirt, okay? Lovely. Like, that, that kind of green one that he had at the time. Yeah, yeah. And Callum was giving it, feed me more, feed me more. And he's screaming this all the way through <laughs> Punk's entrance, screaming it and screaming it nonstop. The guy had an endless battery. And Punk is circling the ring in his yellow um, go-to-sleep t-shirt. Yeah, that's right. And Punk locks on to callum and right in front of us in the first row were some wee kids so like he would like see over them pretty easily to us who are kind of tall guys and punk locks on to callum and he walks right up to us and he looks him up and down and Heyman's up next to him give him with a big cheeser on his face because i think Heyman knows where he's going and cam's going feed me more feed me more and punk says hey man looking at you i don't think we need to feed you anything else 
Boom. And, uh, <laughs> nice. They just get something. <laughs> and like, I was just shocked. And then Calum's giving him smack talk back. And I'm shocked. And then I'm texting Jamie, shaking, going, Calum is having a bad words with CM Punk. <laughs> um, and this went on throughout the match. Yeah. Brilliant. So Punk cuts this promo during the match saying, it's great to be back here in Dublin, just to kind of get heel heat, right? Excellent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so like during the match like Callum would shout Chicago sucks and Punk would go Dublin sucks uh, which didn't make a lot of sense and then uh, <laughs> at one point Punk got like knocked off his feet by Ryback and uh, Callum shouted the, the, the Ryback stupid and then Punk just nipped up like Shawn Michaels walked right to the ropes and went fat and pointed at Callum <laughs> So oh, this this went on for the entire night, and so that's one of my favorite memories from that show was my mate getting into an argument with CM Punk. Uh, I don't have anything like that, but in terms of being really really close, I sat front row one time in uh, April of two thousand and thirteen. Somehow Sky were like giving away front row tickets. <laughs> don't ask me, I have no idea. How. What? You'd imagine if they were giving away tickets, it would be like the bleachers or whatever, or the or the nosebleed seats, or whatever. No. I don't know. Front row seats. And it was me and my Evan, who I don't speak to much now, which is a shame, but we were good pals at the time. We did, like, YouTube videos and stuff together. Um, but it was April 18th, 2013. It was a SmackDown show. And uh, we were front row in the Bray Arena. The main event was uh, The Shield versus Sheamus and the New Age Outlaws. Fantastic. Let that sink in. That's the most mental main event ever, right? So not only were we front row when Ambrose, Reigns and Rollins did the entrance, like, and they walked past us, like, walking down from the sort of, like, the concession bit, like, through the crowd, that sort of thing, the classic yeah. shield entrance. So they walked past us, hopped the barrier, but then the outlaws came out and they did the, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Excellent. And it was, oh, it was amazing. And uh, we were touching them all after, touch all their sweaty backs, and I touched Seamus' sweaty back, it was lovely. Ah, um, also on that show was Randy Orton versus The Big Show and I couldn't believe how big they were, right? I knew they were all massive, right? But Orton did this thing where he dropkicked The Big Show out the ring and Big Show kind of like went into the barricade or whatever where we were. And I yeah. just remember sitting there going, I can't believe, I've, I've never seen anybody this size in my life. The Big Show was just, yeah. was just huge. <laughs> and I'm a tall guy, right? even back then obviously I was a bit shorter, but still, like I couldn't believe how big the big show was and even Orton was so that was a lot of fun that's a good memory uh, another one that's really really special to me was in 2008 and it was August 11th 2008 and I was on holiday at the time with my mum and my dad and um, my sister we didn't leave her behind uh, <laughs> we were in Orlando we went to Florida in 2008 and this day we went to Discovery Cove and we uh, met the dolphins swam with dolphins took pictures with dolphins and all that stuff and after we were going to Universal Studios and I was I was so excited because I wanted to see the roller coasters and see all the big attractions that I was always told about because it was like, you know, the world famous Universal Studios. I was just so excited. So we got there and my dad was like, right, you come with me, Chris, and Rachel and your mum can go and do their own thing. And I was like, what? why Why are we separating? This is so random. So my dad was like, no, it's fine. Just I want to go and do something. So we get over to this kind of like grey wall, right? And we're standing in a queue. And I was like, this is not, I want, I want to go on a roller coaster. By the way, I mean? if you're going with the story where I think you're going... I'm annoyed that you've never told me this. <laughs> right? So, so we're standing in this queue, right? And I was just like asking all these questions. I was like, where are we? Why are we waiting here? Where's mum? Where's my sister? But of course, I'm just following my parents' orders. You know what I mean? I'm just, we could be doing something involving tickets or we could have been doing something in, involving the, the, the house or whatever. 
Anyway, the, the queue started going down, right? And this woman came out with a megaphone and she was like, Live wrestling! Come see live wrestling! It'll be on Spike TV! Or whatever she was saying, right? And I was like, she was, she was trying to get like audience members to the show. So as the queue was going down, we went into this, this sort of TV studio and it was the feckin' impact zone. Shut the front door. You have never told me this. <laughs> we walked into the impact zone, right? Because in Orlando back then, I don't know if they still do it for the impact tapings nowadays, I doubt it, but uh, the impact tapings were free. And what they would do is they would try and get like the theme park goers into the studio to be the audience for impact. So like whenever they were taping the shows, it would just be like filled with wrestling fans. And it would be like this big sort of queue around the kind of side of the sound stage. But if anyone's ever been to Universal Studios, you'll kind of recognize the bit. I mean, it's like this sort of grey, kind of dark yellow, kind of weird wall. And it's like the sound stage area. You see it on that like backstage moments of impact, like for all the years, you know what I mean? So that was there. We stood in there, we got into the impact zone, the main event was Kurt Angle versus AJ Styles and it was like um, Angle was doing this thing where it was like he was trying to prove he was the best pure wrestler in the world so what yeah. they did was it was like a takedown challenge between him and AJ so it was the six-sided ring right and they took out all the ropes and they made like a sort of collegiate Olympic wrestling kind of stage thing and Angle and AJ were doing these sort of takedowns and I was raging because they were taping the following week's show the next day and the main event of that show was AJ versus Angle in a ladder match and I fucking turned up on the wrong day <laughs> If I turned up the day after, I would have saw a ladder match. But this week I saw a takedown challenge. But I couldn't believe how small the impact zone was. It's literally just a TV studio. Like on TV, it looks big, it looks really cool and that sort of thing. But it was back when they had like the two separate entrances on two different sides of the arena. Like one would be for the heels and one would be for the baby faces and that sort of thing. And we were on the at the very, very back row. And I remember just being like blown away of how close I was to the ring, even though it was the very, very last row. And uh, we were right next to the heel side, and I remember Angle coming out and his, his pyro going off, and I remember feeling like how hot the pyro was, because we were so close to it. I just couldn't believe how close we were at the ring, it was such a small TV studio, you know, but that was an amazing experience, and uh, oh god, I wish they still did it, because I, I was in Florida in 2018, and if they'd still taped Impact, I would have been there in a the heartbeat, but uh, that's, that's such a good memory, man, uh, one of my favourite memories of, of my childhood, for sure. Bloody hell, though, why have you never told me? That you went to the impact zone, that is amazing. I don't know why I never told you. I guess it just <laughs> it's never came up, I don't know. But there you go, that's that's what this podcast's for. Sharing memories like that. Give me another one, you you do one. Right, now. well, you mentioned TNA. I've been to one TNA show in my time. I remember you were there at this one as well, January 21st, 2013. Uh, and uh, that was the show which was, the, the show was stolen by Austin Aries versus Bobby Roode versus uh, James Storm. That's right, yeah. Kind of, that was a good match, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a great show. Um, Earl Hebner got his own entrance uh, <laughs> nice. and did the whole kind of Brett Hart, I screwed Brett thing. Damn um, right I did. I also remember when the knockouts were wrestling, he lingered about the stage and watched the match. I thought that was kind of creepy because he didn't do that for any of the other matches. He wasn't reffing. <laughs> um, but the main event was uh, Sting and Kurt Angle versus Doc Gallows and Devon. That's right. Uh, uh, Devon Dudley, brother Devon. Uh, and... I'd, I'll never forget that before the match, they announced the cage takes exactly 22 minutes to put up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, and so they take all this time to set up the cage. And the, and the other sad thing about that show was that Sting wasn't even supposed to be there. It was supposed to be Jeff Hardy, but that was the first year that it become clear that he, for, ah, for quite so, quite a mid- long amount right. of time, he, he wasn't allowed to go to the UK. Jeff was the world champion until he came back to WWE. Yeah, That's yeah, when yeah. That whole thing expired. I felt bad because there was, you know, you know, it wasn't that far removed from Jeff last being in WWE for mm. two or three years. 
and uh, there were a lot of wee kids dressed up as Jeff Hardy at that show. Yeah. For me, I was I was stoked because it was to this day the only time I've ever seen Sting live. Yeah, yeah, uh, me too. And uh, so that even you know, so, but I remember Kurt Angle was asleep for most of the match. Do you remember this? Because he got knocked That's right, out. He was like attacked on the way to the, the ring or something. God, he must have had another broken freaking neck. But that was cool for me because I didn't know if I would ever get to see Angle wrestle again, which I I did. You know, I get to see him again after that at the uh, ICW show that he wrestled Joe Coffey. But yeah. um, he, uh, you know, that was that was a that was a cool novelty experience. I went there with my friend Jamie, and he he uh, was really really into TNA at the time. I definitely followed it, and uh, he definitely followed it uh, more. I think he watched the, the weekly programming. We were both really excited for that show. I remember seeing you at the like the lobby beforehand and kind of waving to you from afar at that show uh, i don't know if we actually got to talk that night I but know. Um, you I know that remember. was uh, my only time seeing tna but it kind of pales in comparison to uh, uh the impact zone i remember uh, B- billy ray doing the whole hulking up thing as well in the absence of hulk hogan actually being yeah there. well billy ray was a really good baby face around that time but then he actually turned into like one yeah. of the best heels in the whole business at that big uh i swear of like uh, lockdown that year yeah because um, yeah, yeah, he went yeah. on to wrestle AJ that year's Bound for Glory and it was That's great right. um, I remember JB wasn't there so it was this random ring announcer well Christy Hemi was supposed to do it wasn't she well yeah but JB always did like the, the UK tours like the ring announcing That's right. so it was just this a random guy and he had to go uh, please let the cage be built it will take exactly 22 <laughs> minutes <laughs> fair play it did um, i remember just sitting no. going when on earth is this going to be ready <laughs> oh dear that's something i used to love about the cages in wwf like post the new generation yeah, era yeah. The, the mesh ones that the music they would play when they would lower down the cage that brilliant you almost want to go flash <laughs> see uh rebellion 01 was the was the cage pre-built yeah, they they built it after the dark match with Lance Storm and Justin Kreble and Billy and Chuck. Ah, right. Uh, and they brought it down in bits. Like that was one of the last times they used the uh, that kind of new generation cage. Because yeah. uh, I think the last time that cage had been used, that actual physical cage uh, design had been used, was the St. Valentine's Day massacre. That's uh, right. Yeah. Austin and McMahon, because they they were well into using the mesh cage by that point. But whatever, they must have only had the old one in their warehouse in the uk uh mm. so i was a bit disappointed when that when when it was that cage because i wanted the other one and all the graphics had like the mesh cage when they were advertising the match but it was still cool like that's the unforgiving kind of still cage. looks really cool yeah. though do you know what i mean um did you know when they were bringing the cage out for the 2013 mm. tna show it was like noam dar and kid fighting that was doing it bringing the cage was out. it really yeah 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 i remember going oh there's noam dar doing the cage <laughs> ah I had no idea. Like I, I didn't know the roster that well at that point. That's that's awesome. Uh, okay, I guess a couple more then. Um, so I I tweeted about this one last night actually, and it was from September the fourth, two thousand and ten, okay. and it was the second ever ICW show that he ever attended. Oh, of course. Now, um, from around this time until maybe about two thousand and thirteen ish, me and my dad used to travel all over the country to see these local you know independent wrestling shows all over scotland like every, every couple of months we'd kind of make it a hobby and like make it an event every couple of months we'd travel to largs or we'd travel to Kilmarnock or mabel or somewhere around the country to see these shows to see whether it be pbw or bcw or swa or one of these sort of independent scottish shows we'd kind of go and we'd travel together i could take a pal or we'd take whoever a cousin or whoever it was to go to one of these shows and uh, there was one in 2010 
and it was at the Mary Hill Community Centre Halls, which was about 20 minutes from my house. And uh, originally, it was in it was in June that year, 2010. It was called Menace to Society. That was the first one I went to. So I kind of got familiarised with like the characters and the storylines and the company and that sort of thing on that show. But then in September of that year was the second one I went to, and it was called ICW Dazed and Confused. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was the first time... I like the, the original one, like the, the Menace to Society one, but this this one in September, the second one I went to, it was really like me feeling like connected to independent wrestling and I felt like it really opened my eyes to like it doesn't always have to be this big show like WWE or, or TNA at the time or whatever to be this brilliant event and to be this really, really cool show that we all attend, you know what I mean? It was like a really special show, this really small one. And uh, at the time, there was like two sort of factions in ICW. There was the good guys and then there was the heels. And the heels were called the, the Gold Label. And it was Wolfgang, Red Lightning and Lionheart. Yeah. And uh, one of the one of the moments in the show, um, one of the baby faces, Chris, Chris uh, Renfrew, ran into the ring with a steel chair. And the heels, the Gold Label, kind of like ran out of the ring when he came in. And Renfrew launched a chair over the top rope into the crowd at Wolfgang. And Wolfgang got out of the way... And the chair hit my dad. <laughs> the chair hit my That's dad, brilliant. Like, He's hardcore. He's hardcore. And uh, I don't know what like what the reaction was or whatever, but it was just like in the middle of this promo, like, this angle they were setting up for the main event. And uh, I don't know if it was because like the cameras were on the ring or whatever, but like Wolfgang kind of turned to my dad and was like, "Here, mate, you're right." <laughs> he was like, "You're right." Sorry, I feel I feel really bad. I, I didn't mean for the chair to hit you. I just didn't want the chair to hit me. Oh, I feel really bad. I'm so so sorry. My dad was like over the moon, do you know what I mean? Like, my dad was perfectly fine with the fact he was involved in the show, you know? <laughs> and he still he still like tells people that story and is that like this sort of big happy memory of back in two thousand and ten. That was that was a really funny. That's memory. a great story. Wolfgang's awesome. I, I, I saw I saw he liked I saw he liked that tweet. Uh, he's a he. I've, I'm com- I, uh, I don't know what his ambitions are, but I'm convinced that if he wants it, which I'm sure he does, his his future is only going to get brighter. Like he's that guy is money. Like. He's something else. Yeah, I love him. I think he's brilliant. He's got some some form of connection to my best pal Paul. You know Paul from um, the old By the Way podcast that we talked about <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Um, for some reason, I think it's like Wolfgang is Paul's auntie's sister's son or something like that. Like it's it's some real like random connection, right, between us and Wolfgang. And uh, we actually went to see Wolfgang in a show in two thousand and eight. Because it was like, oh, we're going to go see uh, Barry's show. <laughs> so we got free tickets to go see Wolfgang, right? And he defended the world title. I think it was the SWA world title against Martin Stone, who is now Danny Birch in WWE and NXT, which is funny. Um, but earlier on in that show, Lionheart actually won a Money in the Bank ladder match because, of course, he did. And uh, at the end, when Wolfgang retained his title, Lionheart cashed in. And from that point onwards, Excellent. Lionheart was always like this this bad guy, and Wolfgang was always his hero. And you know they had this massive rivalry throughout you know all the years, um, in Scotland and over the UK. Lionheart and Wolfgang, and I tell you something, Lionheart is someone that I miss dearly. Do you know what I mean? Um, we actually we we lost Lionheart last year. He uh, sadly passed away, and we shocked, absolutely shocked, the wrestling business in this country to the feckin' core. Um, and, and Glenn and I actually attended his tribute show at the garage in Glasgow last year. It was it was yeah. just such a beautiful. Why show. Why don't we talk about that one? That'd be a nice one to end on, I think. Yeah, good call. Let's um let's chat about that one. Then we'll then we'll finish up. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Lionheart was the ICW World Heavyweight Champion. He was by far the most experienced and best and most kind of like polished wrestler 
to not be signed to WWE or to Impact or you know ROH or AEW, whoever from the UK anyway, in my opinion, definitely from this country. And he was like, well, you want to talk about the full package in terms of a wrestler. Like someone who was great in the ring but could also talk and had a good look and was tall and connected with the crowd and had a cool entrance and had a character and was, was a champion and had a lot of experience. Lionheart was just the full package and I was always a massive supporter of him. And in the summer of 2019, it came out that he, he sadly passed away and we couldn't believe it. It was unbe- It just totally shook Scottish wrestling and um, it changed everything. Because not only because he was this brother and this loved character and this loved person um, and this massive addition to the roster, but he was also the current world champion. It was just unbelievable. And then, and then in August last year, they had a tribute show for him in Glasgow and it was one of the most beautiful experiences. The, the atmosphere in that, in that venue was unbelievable. It's, yeah, it's one of, the, one of the most memorable shows I've ever been to. Uh, one of the ones that will always stand out in my memory, that show. It was great. I mean, all, all the wrestlers, all of his sort of co-workers and his friends and his family all kind of came out and they all, you know, took their time and they all said their piece and they all had their own individual time to tell stories and remember him and that sort of thing. There was a music video at the start of the show with um, Creed, My Sacrifice. I was crying. Yeah, me too. It was just, um, of all songs, do you know what I mean? To pick, they had to go with that one that kind of means the most to me. <laughs> it was um, one of my favourite experiences of all the wrestling shows I've ever been to. It was um, a special time, to say the least, and I miss him. The whole wrestling industry misses him, and I think he would be a, a shoe in for AEW or NXT UK if he was still here. But uh, I miss him, and uh, I love that show. I love that show dearly. It was, uh, it's something else. I remember by that point, like I, I'm still an ICW fan to this day, but I had gone through a phase, like a period of about four years where I was there a lot. I was there almost every show that was in Glasgow. Uh, but by the by by the time of Lionheart's memorial show last year, I I wasn't going to them regularly, mainly just because of my job now. And, you know, the ICW shows invariably were on a Sunday and it just would be impractical for me to be out late on a Sunday night when I was teaching early on a Monday morning. Uh, so I kind of stopped going to the shows, which was sad. But I really felt obliged to go there. And I actually think that show was on a Saturday. Um, mm. And uh, it was like old times being there with my friends. And, and this is a lovely thing to to end the podcast on. And it might not feel like that in a sense because we're talking about something which comes from something so sad and so tragic in his untimely passing. But what a brilliant example of how wrestling connects us. Oh because man, absolutely. If you think about some of the saddest things that have happened in wrestling history, like Raw is own, you know, yep. the Eddie tribute show. Those shows have always been really warm and comforting because it's escapism and, and wholesome stuff in a time of really sad, sad feelings. And there were a lot of people in that room that night who knew him well. You'd met him, and I think maybe in a meet a wrestler, you could possibly tell that great story uh, of uh, the contest and, and meeting Lionheart. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I'd never like met him. I'd been like around him in like a bar, and like I like I'd know people who know him, but I'd never spoken to him or like probably met him in the way that you had. And uh, uh, but everyone, whether you were in my position and you didn't know the guy, you were just a fan, or whether you were his friend, uh, everyone that night felt it and. That was just a, a great example of how wrestling can take you on that emotional roller coaster. Our wee community, our UK wrestling scene, was was really really wounded by that and was really grieving and really really hurt by it. The best way that we dealt with it collectively was by going to a show 
and watching these guys and girls do what they do best. Mm-hmm. What a fitting tribute to such a great guy, to someone who will never be forgotten, who will go down as the only undefeated ICW champion in wrestling history. And, yeah, that uh, made me smile. And, though. you know, this sounds contrived because we're the wrestling connection. We talk about wrestling connections all. But you know what? In that room, in that garage, there would have been people of different uh, faiths, different beliefs, people of different values, different politics, different views, People who would shout at you, you know, about different and con- conflict over different issues, you know, that divide people, Brexit, Scottish independence, coronavirus. Yeah. But we all had something in common that night. And that's what I love about these wrestling shows is that when you walk through those doors and you see the ring for the first time, it doesn't matter what the values are of the person sitting next to you. You all have something in common. You all had that story about how wrestling connected you all. And that night, we were all that one thing in common. That night, we just we wanted to pay tribute to somebody that we all admired and really cared about. Uh, and, you know, on some level, all these shows that we've spoken about today have done that. And I hope that we can talk about this topic again, because there's been loads of other shows that we've not touched upon and uh, that have had like, a similar uh, feeling for, you totally. know, for me. And uh, I'm sure, you know, uh, all going well, the world will go back to normal and we'll all get to go to live wrestling again and get to tell more stories yeah i mean you're right it's um i mean i miss i miss live wrestling daily um but that that lionheart show man it was um it was beautiful that main event it was sha samuels and jack jester versus polo promotions all like four of his closest pals or whatever throughout the business and that was a special main event i don't know what it was about it whether it be the atmosphere or the buzz or just because we all knew it was a tribute to him but it was a there was something special about that match and it still stands today as one of my favorite matches i've ever seen live so um yeah let's um let's let's end it there before we go on too long we'll definitely need to do a part two of this because there are so many other shows that we didn't even touch on we, we didn't even talk about the tv tapings in 2016 the first time we got ron smackdown in this country um, I guess we'll talk about that in part two whenever we do that in a, in a few weeks time but thank you so much to anybody who listened to this episode um, we have loved this one because we have been talking about our own personal you know, memories and stories and that sort of thing so we'd love to hear from you if you have some funny favourite wrestling show memories please send them in we're on twitter at wrestleconnect1 and we're also on facebook facebook.com slash the wrestling connection and we're on instagram at wrestleconnection you can find us on YouTube as well for exclusives and individual segments from the show if you can't listen to the full thing. And uh, we will always be in touch with all of our all of our listeners and our friends out there. Please subscribe for us wherever you've found us today. Please tell a friend, leave us a review, leave us a rating, whatever you got to do. Please subscribe and do anything you can to help support the Wrestling Connection. Share the love, spread the word. We're going to be here for a good time. We're going to be here for a long time, baby. So we hope you join us on our journey. Uh, a wee reminder of the match of the week. The match of the week this week was John Cena versus Shawn Michaels from April 23rd, 2007 from Raw in London, England. Go check that match out this week and report back your thoughts next week. And until then, my name is Chris. This is Glenn. Thank you so much for listening to the Wrestling Connection episode number three. Thank you so much. Take care of yourselves and each other. 